Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Friday morning. I'll tell you the truth, I wasn't planning to do something today, but at the last minute, I guess I will say something in Parshish Bracious. Let me um, plunge into it and not make a long business. Bracious, of course, is very hard. And I just flipped open. I'm just doing this off the cuff. Um, the Parsha and the first. And as you know, Parsha's Bracious, by definition, is just loaded with impossible verses, which means the Psukim, which are of such an anthropomorphic nature, that it drives them afar from crazy and they twist like pretzels to try to adjust to it while stay, staying theologically correct. Uh, one of the very famous ones, and my mom just opened this, is right after, and it just came in my mind, is right after the Adam and Eve story where God chases them out of the Garden of Eden. I know I spoke about that before, but here's the key point. It says, It <laughs> Now, what does that mean? Plain and simple. After he ate from the tree, from the apple or whatever it was, so now he's like one of us. He's like one of us. So this would be God speaking in we terms. See, this is what drove the Jewish commentaries crazy because... You have to remember, um, the Medrash, the Chazal, and certainly the medieval Mofarshan are all living in against a Christian background. At the time of Chazal, the Christians were a Jewish group, right? A Jewish heresy group, as they saw it. And although there are various varieties of early Christianity, um, all which were rejected by the Chazal, but the ones that were the uh, theologically most objectionable would be the ones that eventually emerged as the central tenet of Orthodox Christianity at the Council of Nicaea, and that is that there's a, a God is in three form, you know, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. So in other words, there's a triune the nature of God uh, and not a singular. And even though we say, but, you know, that's the philosophers. They're, they're right, but I'm just saying the Jews never, you know, gave much thought to that. I don't think in the Chazal you find that. But um, certainly the idea of one God versus three or something like that. And you say, hey, the Christians will say, hey, he's like one of us. So there's me, the father, the son, the Holy Ghost, the mother, the brother, the cousin, and the, and, and, and the nephew. And now it's Adam, Adam and Eve. Uh, so Rashi, therefore, you know, and, and I'm serious. Notice, I don't have the time now to go into this in a, Long disquisition. This is like a long speech. But um, I think people know that Rabbi Kiva and Papayas and all the rest of it, they're memories of Daicha Papayas. Um, let, let's put it this way. In the time of Rabbi Kiva, he wrestled with these issues. He faced um, Jewish groups, whether Christians or Gnostics, uh, 
who believed in 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 a God that was not singular in form, even though you and I take this from Pasha today. And uh, that's why you find many interesting statements Rabbi Kiva and others always, you know, going against them. Those called Sofi Nasuna, you know, that sort of thing. Which means there's one God, even though it might seem like there are others, more than one. And, um, you know, Papaya said, No, as a rabbi at the time, Rabbi Kiva, if I understand this correctly, he said, you know, this is God talking to the angels. So if you say God's talking to the angels, so he's not talking to another God. Um, and he says he's like one of us, because we know good and bad. But Rabbi Kiva said, that's going too far. You understand? In other words, don't say that Hashem speaks to angels like we're all one group, one chera. Now you can look at it in a Hasidish way, now because you can say, you know, God's a nice, uh, if I can use this expression, God's a nice person. Therefore, he talks to an angel in a very familiar way. From a strictly theological point of view, the Rambam will go crazy with that. What do you like one of us? God is one thing. The angels have nothing to do with God whatsoever. They're all created, created by God and only exist as long as God wants them to exist. And even to say they're angels, I mean, the Rambam's into angels, but only in a certain sense. So, you know, this is a hard pusik. And uh, therefore, you know, Rashi and the others say, like Rabbi Kiva, the unique, you know, is unique. Um, no, I'm God, I'm the only one. Now Adam's going to have some similarity to me in a certain sense. Um, the Uncleus goes that way. But they're all coming to Bavorn. When you have a interpretation that's trying to head off another interpretation, that does not necessarily mean that's what the Pasuk means. That's just trying to say, I'm coming up with that shot to repel um, another interpretation, which will be misunderstood. You see? So it's very hard. Um, it's fascinating for that reason. It's very hard. And therefore, God finds it necessary. And you know, what does that mean? It's something magic? He's going to eat from a tree and live forever. All God has to do is create another corona. He won't live forever, you know? Um, there's all kind of illness and sickness and this and that and the other. Hashem wants people to drop dead at the age of, you know, 120. They'll just drop dead. So what does it mean? He'll he, he'll eat forever. Yeah, you know, he'll live forever. It's a it's a as far as I understand it, it's a hard pussy. Uh And as I said before, you have a lot of interpretations that are you know trying to bavorn. I don't think that that's what they would come up on their own. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes you have two types of of, of explanations of Pesukim. Sometimes a Mefarish will sit there and say, hmm, I've given it thought, and this is what I wanted, this is what it, it says to me. That's usually when you get your original interpretations. How, even though every commentary lives within his era and is affected by the time. Like I just told you, Rabbi Key was coming you know, against the, the Christians and the Gnostics. You know, Gretz, by the way, wrote the historian wrote his dissertation, exactly his subject. Rabbi Kiva versus the Gnostics. The Gnostics were people, time of Aishani, um, you know, um, who were into uh, uh, two gods. So you have the one god theory, the two god theory, and the three god theory. It's the Jewish, the Gnostics, and the, um, and the Christians. And of course, the Jews live in Babylonia, where the, the Zoroastrians also two gods. So what you and I take for granted today, Hashem, you know, Hashem and all that stuff, 
The ones who push it in the uh, Second Temple era. Um, we like to think that Abudazar uh, was uh, gone in the end of the First Temple period, around the beginning of the Second Temple period. He, sort of. In other words, blatant Abudazar, but uh, dualism, non monotheism I don't know what the right word is, non-one. You know, the belief that God itself has different parts. That was uh, very popular stuff in the Bayashani period. And the post-Second Temple period. Look, it ended up in Christianity. You know? I mean, in other words, it manifests itself and triumphed as, as a doctrine of, of the major religion. So the Jews were under, you know, attack, especially when they weren't so culturally isolationist in the Second Temple period and post-Second Temple period, when we retreated into our own ghetto with the Gemara and all the rest of it, so all these ideas didn't matter to anybody. But uh, in the Middle Ages, I mean, in the uh, late Second Temple period and post that period, it wasn't so simple. So anyway, what does it mean? Now, my favorite is always the Ralbach on this puzzle. happens to be. My favorite is always the Ralbach because he basically says, you know, uh, let's put it this way. What does man think he's one of us? Like that, like Brooklyn, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> he thinks he's one of us, uh, uh, you know, and uh, let's put it this way, <laughs> is, 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 is a uh, sarcastic uh, statement. But again, he's doing that for that very reason. You understand? It's that very reason. Uh, obviously, the idea is like this. Well, I, it's ridiculous to use the word obviously. I'm just going to share with you the way I understand it. That's all I can ever do, as I always say. This passage is extremely interesting because it addresses itself to one thing, one unique thing about man, and that is the following. There are certain things, and I've said this before, there are certain infinities out there. Right? Now, I'm not a phys physicist, and I'm not a medieval philosopher. I'm just going to push it. There are certain infinities out there, if you think about it. There seems to be an infinity of space, I mean, for all I know, you keep going to the next planet, you go to the next planet, right there, right there, right there. Right? There seems to be an infinity of time. I mean, there's tomorrow, there's a the day after, and forever, ever. Right? I mean, I realize things could, could blow up, but if they don't, it just goes on and on and on. Uh, I know these are debated. I'm just saying, like, plain and simple. What else is infinite? So, um... Let's put it this way. Knowledge is infinite. There's always new stuff to be found. Right? There's always new stuff to be found. Um, curiosity is infinite. People are, there's a function of knowledge. Now we know this. Now I'm interested in no more. And you cannot stop that. You cannot stop that. Um, why can't you stop? You, that's the way the human being is. Uh, one of the great paradoxes of modern times is that our infinite curiosity about scientific matters has created an explosion in technology and has increased the comforts of our life along the lines that they say used to be in the time of and afterwards, you know, the generation between Adam and Noah was supposed to be a time of great luxuries. And yet at the same time, our infinite curiosity and infinite pursuit of knowledge has taken us into bad places. We know now 
how to make bombs that such and never existed, how to make chemical warfare and junk like that to one little drop of something to wipe out the human race. So we've created the ability to wipe out the human race. It's a little bit like the repeat of the Adam and Eve story. It's a fascinating, right? A hundred years ago, it was not possible for a nut to set things up and press a button and blow up the world. Today, it's possible for a nut, if he's got the right power and all the rest of it, I'll give you just one example, North Korea. Right? Not North Korea today. Let's let's project North Korea in 20, 30 years. So you're going to keep going, going, right to right to right to So they'll create, sooner or later, they'll have some bomb or some other type of, uh, you know, agent that can destroy everything. And they're nuts enough to do it. Hakomodim, they're nuts enough to do it. Plus a hundred other third world countries. So there's no joke. If it becomes a cheap thing that you can, you know, launch a, like I say, a biological weapon or something like that called Corona. <clears throat> Let's just go for a second with the Hanukha that the Corona was made from China, you know, as a weapon. I'm not saying it. Let's just assume that for a second. Look what they can do. It's unbelievable. Ipica character gone to belt. Right? They've messed everything up. The, the power is awesome. And it's uh, thrown all the economies out of whack, as we all know. Now, um, and that's assuming that we found a cure, you know, with the Moderna and the Pfizer. What if they didn't? You, you see what I'm saying? This is a function of Eitzadas, to use biblical language. You know, Adam couldn't resist the curiosity deep from the tree, even though it's presented in the way the story that she persuaded him. But the sod is that, you know, he couldn't resist the Eitzadas. And now, is a touching the Eitzachayim. I would see it, at least in, in light of the contemporary events. You know, that is it's not simply Achal V'chai alone, but it's also Achal to destroy the Olam. The, the man has infinite curiosity, and even though man knows that the curiosity is bad for him, in some respects, so from a rational calculation, if I were to tell you Standing 100 years ago in 1921, don't pursue physics and all that any vitor. And the result will be a world in which it's not possible to destroy everything. On the other hand, you won't have computers, you won't have cell phones. It, which is the trade off? Would you rather have the security that it's not literally possible for some bad people or forces to come and wipe everybody out? Mamish, pshutakish, mashmal. Or would you say, you know, I'll take my chances. I want the technology. And even without, if I didn't want the technology, you cannot restrain science. Man's got to go where he's got to go. Now, what kind of as far as it, man's got to go where he's got to go? You say it's just fundamental to the human nature. You can't expect intelligent people with, let's say, scientific training to be satisfied with the status quo. Even though from a philosophical perspective, from a Kohelis perspective, you say, you know, it's better off, like I said before, just hold by 1921, and we'll have whatever we have, and like, you see, but the argument will be like this, but you won't find a cure for cancer, you won't find a cure for tuberculosis, for polio, all this other stuff. So, what is it that you want? 
Obviously, what man wants is to be able to eat from the tree and not be hurt by it. To be able to eat from the tree and not be hurt by it. But now, he's, he's, Yodea Tovara. It's not possible to eat from the tree and not be hurt by it. You get the benefits from it. Kitovo eats Lamachol, right? Let's put it this way. When he ate the apple or the ostrog or whatever it was, it tasted good. So it was a good benefit from it. But the question is the side effects, you know what I mean? The, the other effects. And here you have Hashem al Kim saying, in this regard, that man refuses to accept limitations and that it's basic and intrinsic to man's nature to refuse to accept limitations is ka'achem mimeno. Right? Now, who is the mimeno? Who's the us? To me, to tell you the truth, I don't know why they have trouble just simply saying, you know, uh, it's the royal we. Uh, would that be a problem? He's like us. He's like me. Like God. Um, in the sense, it's, it done, it, it, it's, it's not possible to have limitations. That's the nature of the man. Had the philosophy of the story was, if man would have been wise, he would say, I won't eat from this tree because I, go I got a good thing going over here. Right? To put it in simple terms. So why they say like this? I'm going to give you a million dollars a week. A week. Provided you don't open this door. But you'll live the life of Riley. This don't open this door. Of this room. That's all. Don't open the door. And in exchange, you get a million bucks a week. You can live a lifestyle. She ain't come a hole. This all, don't open the door. So, philosophically, if you were a Greek philosopher, I mean, in other words, a Stoic and Epicurean looking for the right kind of life. You say like this, um, it's a good trade-off. It's a good trade-off. Nobody's offering me a million bucks. Right? If somebody would do that, I won't open the stupid door. Aren't you worried or wondering during your whole life, curiosity, what's behind that door? <laughs> no. In other words, so I wonder. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm getting a million bucks a week. As long as that check keeps coming in, you get it? That's the story of Adam and Eve. He had a Garden of Eden. He said, just don't, don't eat from the tree. Right? He got a good thing going. But it's foreign to the nature of the man. You understand? If he was an intelligent creature, he said, I got to know what's behind that door. And more and more, his curiosity would build up in him. And so the nature of man, the, you know, contains this volcanic kind of a you know, curiosity, which in the long run will not be suppressed by the philosophical knowledge that it's smarter from the you know, economic perspective, the other perspective, not to do it. So I think that's what's going on over here. But He's like he's like me, right? No limitations. Lodas And Lodas Tobara means like this. He wants to know everything that's Toby, he wants everything that's wrong. That was the idea of the, the tree. Uh, before that, he only knew Tov. Aren't you interested in the Ra? That's what lies behind that door. Just open the door and you see a lot of Ra. No, I'm living a good life in the Garden of Eden. I don't need to know the, the Ra. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. 
He'll try, can't help it, to conquer death. Right? Leave Meitzachayim. Which is what we are doing now, scientifically. The human race has a long-term goal to conquer death. Uh, I don't know that people realize it. And I'm not seeing anything sinister. And it's, it's beyond the reach of science now. But if you talk to real scientists, I guess, you know, 100 years from now, 200 years from now, 300 years from now, it's got to be a goal. It has to be. The same way, if cancer is out there, we got to go after it. And we got to attack it. And even though we fail and we fail, we, we're going to invite you, right? we'll do it again and again. Because that is the nature of science. That's the nature of man. We keep going after it. So sooner or later, got to go after death. You might say like this, how can you go after death? Well, you know, for pretty soon they'll expand people's lifetime to age 99, 100, 110, 120. Do you think it's far off where science will come up with stuff and people live to be 120? But then 150 and 200? I'm talking about, you know, in the, in the distant future, assuming the world doesn't blow up. Assuming that North Korea doesn't blow up the world, as I said before. Of course it will. So, do you understand what I'm saying? It is the nature of men not to accept the 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 the, um, the the verdict of death. It is the nature of men to say, this is where we're stuck now. That's not the ideal. The ideal has to be one day to conquer death. It's far off. You know, we're not there yet, but we're on the road. We're now trying to conquer all the illnesses. And sooner or later, we will conquer all the illnesses. One day, don't you believe this? One day, they'll come up with something for all the cancers. And one day, they'll come up with something for all the other diseases. And one day, they'll come up with this. And then what? They're not going to stop there. They can't. Agree? So you have to go fight her. So where do we go? It's in the direction of conquering all things that are deleterious. Why not? If I were a scientist, that's what I would do. And apparently, that's not the way God wanted it. This you see already long ago. So to me, this is a statement of the year 2021. Man is on a, on a journey to conquer and be chaylolom. And there's nothing that can stop it. That's the fascinating part. Unless Hashem changes the nature of man, which I guess he doesn't want to do. That's the story. You cannot change man from doing that. Man has to go after Eitzachayim. The human race has to go after Eitzachayim. It has to be our goal, and it is our goal, to eventually, sooner or later, somehow live find life. This is where all the science fiction comes in. They're just projecting in a, in a fiction form, you know, these ideas that you create a utopia of science. And part of the utopia of science is no illness, no this. All the things that are talked about in the messianic era, they are presented in terms of pushing a scientific progress. That's why 100 years ago, when things were much more positivist, as the philosophers call it, Religion was really on the outs because they said, we don't need religion. We can create the garden of being ourselves. The only problem is man, you know. 
the, 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 the stubborn man. But here you see Adam Kach and Mimeno. He's like me. Like God. Yimeno, the royal we. Um, how so? Now he's Das Tovarov. And then he's going to be Ochav Achayli Olam. So the story is a strange story because why didn't God say like this? I'll just put a, uh, a limit on man's knowledge. Then he wouldn't be on him. That Selma Akim turns out to be, among other things, obviously Selma Akim is a very complicated subject, but the Selma Akim, from the 21st century perspective, maybe not exactly from the Kabbalistic perspective or the medieval perspective, but it seems to me from the 21st century perspective, because every year you look at the Chumash, uh, seems to be this, this what I just said before, the infinite nature of man's curiosity and striving, which he cannot stop because otherwise he won't be human. It's like saying don't breathe. He's in. It's not a human if he doesn't breathe. It's it's just part of what it is. You got to breathe. You see, so you got to go and and chase after Eitzachayim. And uh, like I say, the only thing that's holding it back is man's perversity. As I said before, assuming that the world doesn't blow up, we'll get there in 100, 200, 300 years. But on the other hand, if you ask anybody today, do you really think the world will be around another 100 years or whatever? You don't think some third world nut country is going to get the advantages of the most magnificent science and use it in a malevolent way? Aren't all the movies about that and the novels and things like that? It is a very tempting theme. Have we seen the last Hitler ever? I mean, I wish the answer was yes, but I don't believe it. I'll say it again. Has, have we seen the last Hitler ever? You know what I'm saying? Have we seen the last monsters attaining power? It's not true. If anything, power is always more diffused, especially because of the availability of scientific knowledge thanks to this thing called the Internet. The Internet itself has become beyond control. And so we are talking, Yishlach, you got to be a lokach, and therefore, what God had to do was chase him out of the Garden of Eden. And it seems to me, when you're not in the Garden of Eden, then you're in the area of human conflict. Okay? Human perverseness. And human perverseness, that is a very effective tool in retarding science. Anytime God wants the human race to stop the, uh, the scientific progress, all he has to do is introduce a little bit of human perversity in there. You're not in the Garden of Eden. Things are not in harmony. As soon as they're in disharmony, easiest thing in the world to make country A go after country B, religion A go after religion B, the Taliban, the Shmaliban, the Caliban, you know, you can, you, can, you can, turning the world over is easy. The most recent manifestation, in my opinion, and I'm told by others that I'm wrong, is when I was a kid, they went to the moon. So why not to go Viter? Because meanwhile, the country got involved in the Vietnam War, and this and that and the other, and the Medicare and all the rest of it, and the welfare, and now we're $30 trillion in the hole. Uh, God arranged it that this country, which have infinite scientific capacity, not going to go anywhere if we're $30 trillion in the hole, unless they declare Chapter 11. Never going to get out of that. It's going to be $40 trillion in the hole. I don't know where it's going. This is the human perversity. That means that, to me, that's the meaning you get chased out of Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, everything is in right balance. It's run properly. But what do you do when man's desire for utopia clashes with his innate desire to see what's behind that door? 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? He can't help it. I got to know what's behind that door. Uh, this is the, the nature of the human uh, dilemma. And I think it's encapsulated very nicely in this one pusset. All the Mephoshim go wild on this. And even Rashi says, I don't want to get involved in that God it says. Um, but, you know, I think it's, uh, I won't say it's the most important part in this Pasha, but to, to me this year, it's one that, that shouts for analysis. So uh, you can play with this at your table. Anyway, with that, I wish everybody a good Shabbos. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidovidkatz.com.